0: Hi there, this is Taylor, checking in with some conservation news from the past couple weeks for Pelicanus and Intentional Ecology. Working in the environmental field is an experience of some very high highs and some low lows. As always, there are horrendous environmental stories that deserve our attention, action, and mobilization, but it is our opinion that you can find those headlines in many places. But there are also empowering and inspiring stories that demonstrate major conservation successes from around the globe, achieved by real people who have grouped together to create a better planet. We've been collecting these stories and messages every week for years, and I'm still surprised at how resilient and creative both nature and humans are when facing big challenges. Hi everyone, we've got actually a lot of headlines for today's Pelicanus news, I've categorized them into wildlife, indigenous land, and drawdown. These stories are truly incredible and also reminders to me that conservation can actually work. Okay, we do have um, several really incredible stories, so I have decided to keep my explanations to a minimum, but I highly recommend you checking out our website with links to each one of these um, because uh, they're pretty remarkable. All right, in our first category of wildlife, we have one story here about (laughs) endangered green sea turtles are bouncing back in the Seychelles. One thing that people have learned is protection works, Dr. Mortimer, the scientist working on the project, says. But you may need to be patient and wait for 35 years. A new study shows that after half a century of protection, green sea turtle numbers have only continued to climb in the Aldebaran. Published in Endangered Species Research, the study found that the annual number of green turtle clutches increased from 2,000 to 3,000 in the 3,000 range in the late 60s to more than 15,000 in the late 2010s, a six-fold increase. That is pretty amazing. Um, And this story also is found in uh, PopSci.com. Okay, moving on to the next category here of indigenous land. This uh, this one is out of flatheadbeacon.com. The Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes assumed full management of the Bison Range, formerly known as the National Bison Range. Following decades of stalled efforts to reassert management authority over the nearly 19,000-acre swath of Flathead Indian Reservation land, where an iconic herd of bison roams, the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes, and I hope I'm pronouncing those correctly, has assumed full management control over what was formerly known as the National Bison Range, which has been under jurisdiction of the federal government for more than a century. The push for reunification of the land and tribal control has been ongoing for more than two decades, but was officially restored to the tribes on January 2nd, 2022. In December 2020, Congress passed the Bison Range Restoration Legislation as part of the Montana Water Rights Protection Act. The legislation was co-sponsored by all three members of the Montana's Congressional Delegation, and its passage began the two-year transition period to move control from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to the tribes. In addition to transferring the Bison Range, the Act also settled a long-standing treaty negotiation that gave the tribe rights to major water resources inside the Flathead Indian Reservation in return for releasing claims on more than 10,000 water rights outside of its boundaries. This is really incredible and uh, could have a lot of precedence for other um, indigenous people seeking uh, co-management at the very least over other wildlife concerns. All right, this next one is out of northcountrypublicradio.org. Judge rules New York took Mohawk land illegally in the 1800s. A federal judge has ruled that New York illegally took about 2,000 acres of land in St. Lawrence and Franklin counties from Mohawks in the 1800s. At issue is land known as the Hogansburg Triangle, a part of the territory set aside for Mohawks in the 1796 Treaty of Canandaigua. Canandaigwe. I think that's right. New York state bought that land from the St. Regis Mohawks in 1824 and 25, but it didn't get approval from the federal government. Judge Lawrence Kahn ruled in a summary judgment that the failure to get federal approval violated the Non-Intercourse Act of 1790, which established a legal relationship between native nations and the United States government. According to the the treaty, states need federal approval to acquire native land. Our last category here of drawdown. Uh, there's some really amazing stuff in here. Um, I'm very excited about it. This first one is Politico, coming from politico.eu. Germany backs phasing out combustion engine cars by 2035. This is huge. The German government will ditch plans to lobby for key exemptions in EU car and van CO2 target legislation and formally back a mandate that only zero-emission vehicles can be sold from 2035 on, Uh, the environmental minister, Steffi Lemke, told Politico. In last year's coalition agreement among Germany's Greens, Social Democrats, and Free Democrats, the parties called for ending the sale of gasoline and diesel cars ahead of the proposed 2035 block-wide end date. The PAC also included a clause calling for efforts to allow cars to continue using e-fuels, synthetic fuels that are chemically similar to fossil fuels after 2035. Uh, Coming back over to the states. This one's out of CommonDreams.org. Largest American wind farm ever built all at once opens in Oklahoma and immediately saves customers $1 billion over fossil fuels. American Electric Power, AEP, which operates in several states, inaugurated what it called the largest wind farm in the U.S. ever built all at once. That is, there are larger wind facilities, but they were actually several projects built over many years. The nearly 1 gigawatt Traverse Wind Energy Center in Blaine and Custer counties in western Oklahoma generates power not only for that state, but also for Arkansas and Louisiana. AEP says it is on track to have half of its generating capacity from renewable sources by 2030 and that it is on track to reduce emissions of carbon dioxide by 80% from 2,000 levels by 2050. AEP will get there in part by closing its sole remaining coal-fired plant in 2026. Uh, Euronews.com Italy builds first offshore wind farm in an effort to move away from Russian gas. Italy is about to complete construction its first, of its first offshore wind farm as it attempts to free itself from Russian fossil fuels. When fully operational, the plant will consist of 10 turbines with a total capacity of 30 megawatts, able to produce over 58,000 megawatt hours equal to the annual energy needs of 60,000 people. In environmental terms, this means that it will save around 730,000 tons of CO2 CO2 during its 25-year lifespan. The government also recently approved six new wind farms to be built on land from Sardinia to Basilicata after being held back for years by red tape. Wind farms are now getting the go-ahead as Italy looks to renewable energy as the solution to its energy crisis. This one's out of theguardian.com. Welsh Solar Farm Exceeds Expectations in Powering Swansea Hospital The UK's first solar farm owned by a health board and linked directly to a hospital has exceeded expectations by, at times, providing all of the electricity needed to run the site even during the winter months. Health chiefs and Welsh government ministers had hoped that the solar farm in southwest Wales would supply Morriston Hospital in Swansea with a fifth of its energy consumption every year. However, they were surprised and pleased that the Brynwilak Farm, which is linked to Morriston by a two-mile cable, provided enough energy over one 50-hour period to meet 100% of the hospital's demands. It is estimated that the 10,000-panel farm, which was switched on in November, has already saved 120,000 pounds in electricity bills, and the board has on occasions been able to sell power back to the energy grid. This one's coming from aljazeera.com. Uh, this is really interesting to see. Um, there's a lot of things going on in Chile right now, and I think this is one of the first headlines uh, that we are going to be sharing over the next few years. Um, first of many uh, headlines. Chile's new president, Borac, signs Escasu Environmental Treaty. Chile's new left-wing president, Gabriel Boric has signed on to the United Nations' Escasu Agreement, overturning the policy of the previous Chilean government that had held back from supporting the environmental treaty. Chile, the world's top copper producer, initially promoted the agreement, which is focused on access to information and environmental justice in Latin America and the Caribbean, but later refused to sign it on the grounds that it could generate legal uncertainties. But Boric, who last, last week replaced center-right former president Sebastian Piñera, has pledged to take a strong position on climate change and environmental regulation. The Escaso Agreement, signed in 2018 by many countries in the region, including Argentina, Mexico, and Brazil, came into force in April of last year. The agreement aims to contribute to the protection of the right of each person of present and future generations to live in a healthy environment and to sustainable development. It also seeks to address environmental rights, such as access to environmental information, public participation in environmental decision-making processes, and access to environmental justice, including the creation of mechanisms to protect environmental defenders. There will be a lot of news coming out of Chile soon, so this is pretty phenomenal. Okay, I hope these uh, stories bring some optimism and lightness to your month, and um, I really look forward to sharing more in the future.